Good morning, all. This is Judge Shannon. I understand from the court reporter that necessary parties have joined. This is a hearing in the matter of Desolation Holdings, also known as Vitrex, case number 23-10597. This is a hearing that the court has scheduled to consider the motion of Azeem Ghadir to continue the hearing on the debtor's claim objection. That claim objection, I think, is scheduled for a couple days from today. I have the motion as well as the attachments. I do have the plan administrator's objection that was filed, I believe, on Friday to the request to adjourn. The court is also in receipt of correspondence over the weekend with respect to certain documents that appear to have been placed on the court's docket and some redaction and sealing issues that the parties have conferred on. I will hear first from counsel for Mr. Ghadir. Mr. Detweiler, good morning. It's good to see you. Good morning, Your Honor. May it please the court, Donald Detweiler of Womble Pond, Dickinson, U.S., on behalf of Mr. Ghadir. Also on the line is Mr. Rhett DeHart, my partner. He's a former U.S. attorney for the state of California who's been involved in this matter. Your Honor, we plan for purposes of today to limit this hearing for the motion for continuance and to try to avoid any additional discovery because that's really what's before the court. It's a motion for continuance of the hearing, which is a hearing on the debtor's objection to Mr. Ghadir's proof of claim. The debtors set the hearing for December 13th at an omnibus hearing, not as an evidentiary hearing. We inquired into the court as to the amount of time Your Honor has for the hearing, and we are told it's only 30 minutes. Again, Mr. Ghadir had no control over the docket. Mr. Ghadir respectfully seeks a continuance of the hearing for several reasons. One, to allow remaining discovery to be completed. Two, to allow for a scheduling order to be put in place that can allow for the orderly consideration of his proof of claim and the debtor's objection to it, and then establishing dates for the trial. Your Honor, we would say, and again, just being mindful that this is only for a motion for continuance, Mr. Ghadir is a foreign citizen who does not reside in the United States. Given the characterization in some of the pleadings of his claim, Mr. Ghadir wants to appear personally before Your Honor to present live testimony, and that certainly was part of the reason for the motion for continuance. Your Honor, we believe the motion for continuance is appropriate under Section 105 for several reasons. The debtors set the hearing date on an omnibus hearing with 30 minutes. We believe the hearing is going to require two days of evidence, including expert testimony on the OFAC regulations, which the debtors continually kind of use as their shield. A continuance is necessary so that discovery can be completed. We haven't taken the discovery issues to the court, but there are significant discovery issues. There are also, Your Honor, as we noted in the pleading, Mr. Ghadir believes there may be other responsible parties, reliable parties with the debtors regarding the facts and what happened here, and he does plan to file a complaint against such parties. 
I'm not going to go into the back and forth that's happened on that, but I will tell you that he is going to plan a filing a complaint. He wants to get his visa, and more importantly, Your Honor, this continuance does not cause any harm or prejudice to the debtors. What I would suggest, Your Honor, is, and just briefly respond, because it's only worth briefly responding to what the debtors have said so far, is that they want to characterize Mr. Goddard as a liar, as a fraudster, and otherwise. We respectfully disagree. We respectfully disagree. And, Your Honor, we're going to prove otherwise to you, but we can't do it on December 13th. Lastly, Your Honor, this is not a strategic maneuver, as the debtors suggest, and Goddard is in the attempt of trying to get a visa. He's predisposed with some other matters at the moment. I don't think he could even be available. And more importantly, Your Honor, as you're aware from previous correspondence from last week, Mr. Goddard was put on bed rest. He has been put on continued bed rest, and we will send to Your Honor medical records with regard to Mr. Goddard's physician's instructions to him. So shortly before the hearing, I received something about continued bed rest, so he's not even going to be available on the 13th. Leave all that aside, Your Honor. We respectfully disagree with the characterization of the debtor's characterization of his claims and him. A continuance is appropriate, and what we would like to do is to set a time to get a scheduling order in place that would allow for the discovery to be completed, to get depositions, and a two-day trial date that hopefully with that trial date, Mr. Goddard would be able to get his visa. Thank you, Your Honor. Thank you, Mr. Detweiler. Ms. Tomasco, good morning. Good to see you. Good morning, Your Honor. Good to see you. If you wouldn't mind allowing my colleague, Mr. Alenja Kaye, to share his screen. Sure. We'll give Mr. Jaquette, I believe it's J-A-Q-U-E-T, we'll give him privileges, okay? We should be good. Okay. Alen? There we go. Thank you. Terrific. All right. Your Honor, this is a very long slide deck. I'm going to try to skip ahead a little bit just to briefly show the court. We are post-confirmation. We are post-effective date. We have been dealing with Mr. Goddard since the first hearing in this case. Mr. Goddard filed an opposition to the debtor's motion to seal records on the basis that the debtors were attempting to use the sealing as a furtherance of its scheme. He states in his letter, in his objection to the court, that he was not aware of the OFAC license process. On June 30th, Mr. Goddard also filed a letter with the court. He claims in that letter to have tried his utmost to get his assets back from Bittrex. He did not because Bittrex closed all of his accounts. We show in our opposition to the motion to continue all of the ways in which Mr. Goddard's claims to this court have not been true and are 
contradicted by the record. Now, I will note for the court, the parties have engaged in document exchange. The documents that we have to show these events came from both Bittrex and from Mr. Goddard. Mr. Goddard has not produced a single document that disproves this fact. If we could look at the next slide, in July, Mr. Goddard filed another letter with the court in which he complains that the debtors have not yet responded to his June 30th letter, and he fails to reveal that he withdrew 99% of the assets in his account. He currently has in his account less than $200 worth of cryptocurrencies. He again fails to mention this to court in response to the July 18th letter that he filed on July 20th. On August 11th, Mr. Goddard sends a letter to the court in which he also falsely claims that the debtors did not share with the court their July 18th response to his June and July letters, which of course the court notes that the debtors shared all correspondence with the courts as the court directed. So we are not dealing with somebody who is new to this case or who has not had sufficient time to develop whatever theories he thought that he was going to be able to pursue. What we see instead is when the debtors produce evidence that show that his claims are false, he changes his claims. And this merry-go-round has to stop. And that's why we're opposing the continuance, not because we want to cram in a day-long hearing into one hour. It's because we need the court's assistance in making this stop. This has become extraordinarily expensive for a $3,200 claim. Well, and so what do we do here? We know that Mr. Goddard believes that he can file now a complaint that effectively amends his claims and brings in third parties. Now, why is he doing this? It is our belief that he's doing this for leverage. He wants to bring in the directors and officers of the debtors in order to increase his leverage. But the bar date was August 31st. And this is well past the bar date, well past confirmation, and well past the effective date. And the reason for this is not because he's found new information. As I said, we exchanged documents with Mr. Goddard months ago, and so he doesn't have new information. So what do we do with this? One, if there is going to be a continuance, it should not be in service of an amended claim or a new complaint in which Mr. Goddard gets to ignore the fact that everything that he has said so far has been disproven by the documents. It should not be for that. It should be to allow for a hearing on the controverted evidence of did Bittrex prevent Mr. Goddard from withdrawing his crypto in a timely fashion in light of the OFAC sanctions. My suggestion to the court, then, is we can have on the 13th, on Wednesday, the equivalent of a summary judgment hearing on 
what does OFAC require and did the debtors go beyond the requirements in responding to the OFAC issue? That would have the effect of dealing with three issues that are on the court's docket for Wednesday. One is the debtor's motion to quash copycat discovery served by three other Iranian claimants who have been corresponding with Mr. Goddard or copying Mr. Goddard's pleadings with respect to the OFAC issue. It would also deal with the three other Iranian claimants that are set for hearing on Wednesday. In that way, we can streamline and do away with this issue that somehow Bittrex, in complying with the OFAC regulatory issues, that they caused any harm to the Iranian claimants. Because if they were required to do what they did with respect to OFAC, and obviously the terms of service allow for the debtor to comply with regulatory matters, the terms of service also required Mr. Goddard and the three other Iranians to comply with regulatory guidance with respect to embargoed countries such as Iran. So that is my suggestion. It is not to suggest that Mr. Goddard not have his day in court, but he has his claim. He should not be allowed to amend it, and he should not be allowed to file an adversary proceeding, which is essentially attempting to end run around the bar date by adding new parties. Okay. Does anyone else wish to be heard? All right. Here's what we're going to do. Your Honor, I think I've heard enough. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to adjourn the matter for 30 days. I would propose to the parties that I would hear you in the week of the 16th of January, and I would ask that the parties confer. I want to make a couple observations. I am simply ruling on a request for an adjournment of a claim objection, and I'm adjourning that. The only matter before me is the debtor's claim objection. I have a lot of sparring back and forth about whether or not additional litigation is going to be filed, whether or not summary judgment is going to be requested, whether or not significant additional discovery is to be taken. I'm not ruling on any of that. If the debtor believes that the matter, at least substantively, can be largely addressed on the papers in January on the OFAC issue, then the debtor should proceed in that direction, and if Mr. Goddard and his counsel believe that that's not appropriate, I would expect to hear from the parties, and we would confer in advance of that hearing. But I don't want the court's decision to adjourn this matter to be perceived by either side as a meaningful or substantive assessment of where we are and where we're going. I understand with perfect clarity the debtor's concern with respect to the resources that are being dedicated to a claim which the debtor says is either nonexistent or de minimis. On the flip side, obviously Mr. Goddard has participated in these proceedings a number of times. 
Um, and, uh, you know, at this point, uh, he is the counterparty to a claim objection, and we have to get that matter to a hearing. I make no comment on an adversary proceeding or anything else that may or may not be coming, um, but I am sensitive to the concern that we have, uh, again, a, a, a claim of, of small amount that is leading itself to significant litigation. And I may be informed and educated by Mr. Goddard uh, with respect to the additional claims that he has, but the debtor has been consistent in its assessment of the state of play. The debtor has filed a claim objection. The debtor is entitled to a hearing on the claim objection. The parties have initially, have certainly filed submissions in connection with that. Um, I confess that I'm not confident that the record is, is fully developed for purposes of a hearing, as Ms. Tomasco would suggest, on Wednesday being treated as uh, essentially a, 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 a summary judgment or an argument on the papers on OFAC. Um, I have not studied the party's submissions as closely as I would at, in anticipation of the substance of that hearing, um, but I know that uh, even just a week or so ago there was uh, sparring between the parties with respect to Mr. Goddard's deposition, which I believe, I assume, has not been taken. The court directed, uh, kind of informally given the holidays and the weekend, uh, that the parties should confer and come up with a different date for Mr. Goddard's deposition. That hasn't happened. So again, at least from my lights, uh, there seems to be some discovery that needs to occur. But here's what I want to do. Um, and I'm under no illusions that the court's ruling today is going to yield consensus either on process or timing. Um, but uh, the debtor has a claim objection pending. It's scheduled for a hearing on Wednesday. Um, it's no secret to anyone that the court typically schedules relatively brief periods for initial hearings on claim objections where primarily the unopposed claim objections are addressed um, and some perhaps technical or non-substantive issues are disposed of. Mr. Detweiler is correct that on my calendar I've set only a limited amount of time uh, for the Bittrex hearing on Wednesday. So um, to the extent that parties were expecting to come in with extensive argument or, or certainly witnesses, that's something that I would not typically have been fully prepared for. So that really is what is informing my decision to adjourn this matter. I would direct that the parties meet and confer with respect to where we go from here. Again, being guided by the court that I'm not making any substantive decision about where this thing goes. It is the debtor's position that uh, the record is largely, if not completely, uh, developed for purposes of the relief that they're seeking, and that indeed uh, the process being uh, uh, pushed by Mr. Goddard is, is something, I think Ms. Tomasco's term was, uh, for, for leverage. Okay, I understand that, and, and to the extent that that's an issue, uh, the parties can, again, further educate me. But I have a narrow question in front of me today, and that is the question of whether to adjourn it, and I'm going to adjourn this to next month, um, and we'll go from there. Or, uh, one other thing. Um, I, I don't have any problem with the parties filing the motion to adjourn and responding to the motion to adjourn and giving me the benefit of some context in this. Um, I, I think everybody's heard me give this speech before. As we move forward, um, I would ask that you get me on the phone uh, before we get into either motion practice or letter writing campaigns, et cetera. Um, I am becoming more acquainted with this dispute at this point. 
But again, I think it's, it's pretty familiar to you folks that that's generally how I prefer to deal with it. Ms. Tomasco, I assume, is hoping to move forward on the merits or the substance of her objection in a month's time. And so if there are issues with respect to motions for protective order, scheduling, briefing, depositions, or anything else, there's not really time in that, in that framework to, uh, to, to brief and respond to motion practice. My practice on these kind of things is that I would rather deal with you personally which, uh, or, or, or rapidly on the phone, which presumably means that I will be dealing with you soon and rapidly on the phone. But, um, you know, the, again, the threshold question before me, as Mr. Detweiler noted, is a narrow one. Should we adjourn this? And the answer is yes. Um, and I will look for the parties to confer and to get back on the phone with me uh, almost inevitably uh, in the event that there's a lack of consensus about how we proceed, and I will provide the parties with guidance. Are there any questions? No, no, Your Honor. Thank you for your time, and thank you for hearing this on short notice. We greatly appreciate it. Sure. Ms. Tomasco, can I ask a question? I have not seen, well, it's not due yet. I have not seen an agenda for Wednesday. Are there other matters? There are other matters for uh, desolation holdings that are on for Wednesday, so the hearing itself is still on. Correct, Your Honor. We have a, a, a slate of um, omnibus objections and a few informal responses from pro se claimants. Um, nothing from that is no one that is represented by counsel, however. Okay, uh, that sounds fine. I will look forward to seeing the parties. I just wanted to make sure that it remains on the calendar, and it does. Um, other than that, are there any questions? No, Your Honor. Thank you very much. Very good. I appreciate everyone's time. We're adjourned. Thank you, counsel.